Hello and welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast that officially has five whole listeners in Kenya. You're joined by Melbourne journalist Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald. Hola. Hello. We did have a big week last week. We had five listeners in Kenya, five listeners in France, coverage in the Daily Mail and Pedestrian and Mamma Mia. Woo! We went viral. Not really. Viral. <laughs> no, uh, we were sort of like a little a little sprinkle in the internet. We cracked the internet. No. We, we, just we seeded little, our seed out. Just a little sounds, sprinkle. Sounds like a euphemism. We seeded our seed out. Coming up on today's show, a radio host's orgasm story that was a little bit too much to stomach, why some Hollywood divorces are so out of the blue, and the atrocity that is Meghan Markle daring to have a grey hair. But first, Zara, how was your week? It was a good week this week. Really? I think I, think I had a good week. We were um, both on funky shifts this week, working a night shift. Yes, we were so nights I've, for the next month. I suddenly have to find ways to fill my mornings, which is not very good. Right, and you've already chipped your tooth on the microphone today. Yeah, there's that too. I'm not a morning person, so perhaps this shift does work for me. It's also 7.30 in the morning. We are recording from my bedroom floor once again, the glamour. A really, a really professional podcast. And I have smashed my tooth. But oh, full disclaimer, it's actually not a real tooth. Oh, my front two teeth aren't real. So that could easily have fallen off and then we would have had a disaster on our hands. I feel like we learn something new about each other with every episode. I'm glad they're such great facts. Um, how else was my week? Not else. Not much else going on. Richmond mm. won for you. So Richmond you're... did win, so I am stoked. My boyfriend's team, the Western Bulldogs, also won. So yesterday, I'm not kidding. Not once did we ask who your boyfriend <laughs> goes for or whether that was going to have an no, impact on your moods. No, but seriously, when both of our teams win, done. Like, week done, happy mood, amazing Cheerful what an joy. Exhausting household to live in. It's amazing. It's amazing. There are good. There are very high highs and there are very low lows. Let me put it that way. So that was it. That was it. I've been going to the gym a lot because oh, <laughs> I find that, that is the ultimate. It's not even a humble brag. I don't think. I think no. it's a blatant brag. Yeah, whatever. But because uh, we're now working night shifts, so we start at like two o'clock in the afternoon and work well into the night. I have all this time during the day, so I just go to the gym. I should be doing that. I think I'm just going out for coffee and hanging out with my mum. I'll be Kayla It Science by next episode. <laughs> I want to be her. Um, I tell you what, one story that did pique our interest a little bit this week um, was a story about a radio host in Melbourne. Are they doing just Melbourne breakfast now? Well, I researched this. So glad you asked. So her name's PJ and she it's Jason PJ, the TV, the radio show, but they do... Melbourne breakfast and they do national night. So yeah. I think all around Australia, they're doing the 8 p.m. till 10 p.m. spot. And just in Melbourne, they're like the prime time breakfast slot. Yeah. Okay. So that is obviously just a recording of the morning show going nationally, right? Yeah. yeah. But everyone would probably be familiar with her because cool. I'm sure we all drive around that time anyway. Yeah, of course. And so PJ moved from, PJ and Jace actually both moved from New Zealand um, to Melbourne breakfast this year. And there was a funny story going around this week that she said on the radio show, she also gave an interview about it, about how she was at the gym she was doing ab workouts and she accidentally had an orgasm. Yes. So she spoke to various media outlets. She also spoke about it, about, about it on their radio show. And yeah, was doing ab workouts and had two consecutive orgasms is what I gleaned from the story. From nothing more than an ab workout. Yeah. And so she was kind of saying, oh, it's so awkward. Like my personal trainer's with me. Ha ha ha. How funny. And I guess we were taken aback, first of all, because it's unusual to read 
someone talking about something so personal. Especially even though we're in an era where the personal has a lot of currency Mm. and we are obsessed and super curious with people's personal stories. But this did feel like an extra step. Yeah, it did. And I guess uh, it struck me as really interesting because, first of all, Jason PJ as a show has been struggling. So they overtook uh, Matt Tilly and Michelle Laurie on their breakfast slot. They were like kind of the young, new introduction. Uh, Matt and Michelle were turfed out quite unceremoniously. Like they all are. Like they all are in radio. But Jason PJ as a show has been struggling. I don't know about you, but driving around Melbourne, I see their billboards everywhere. It is like oversaturation. When I got my coffee the other day, there was a Jason PJ poster next to the coffee stall. They're just everywhere. No, they are. But also, I don't think they're on many people's radar. Um, Granted, I don't drive as much as I used to, so I'm not in the car and listening to breakfast radio. Also, podcasts are better. Oh, yeah. (laughs) God, I just realized how stupid this segment is. We're, getting, we're giving air to a radio duo. Just kidding. We're no real competition. Um, and so I think the reason that this piqued my interest in particular, because the minute we read this story across various news outlets, was the moment we said, isn't this an interesting way that they're trying to cut through and sell their radio show? Because clearly this was, in a, this was a story they had picked because of its true absurdity. And they felt that this was the story that was going to make them go a little bit viral. And it did. It was trending all over Apple News. It was all over my newsfeed. Um, and this is how we're going to cut through to our audience and let them know that this is who we are and as a bit of a branding exercise. But it felt like such, such so telling, I guess, that this was the story they chose for that brand to be recognized. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, it absolutely does. And it is really tricky to build a following. I think this is um, an industry that is highly competitive, that is very cutthroat. And as we said before, radio duos are always unceremoniously dumped because it is so cutthroat. And that is the nature of the industry. But what has really struck me, I guess, is that in 2018, to be in the public eye, there's definitely a message that you need to share everything about yourself. And I understand this is why they want to put out Jason PJ out there. Their tagline, which I think is a ridiculous tagline, if I was working at Kiss FM, I would totally change this. But I, the tagline of always awkward really fits in is with that this there? always awkward. Jason PJ, always awkward. Yeah, and I hate that as Can a tagline. Can they not just be maybe 10% awkward, not always? <sighs> well, I don't know about you guys listening, but to me, I never want to listen to someone who's awkward. I don't want to cringe my way through. Why are they listening to you? No, I'm uh, kidding. It was, and then you were just awkward in that. That was so uh, meta. (laughs) That was unbelievably meta. Fuck my life. All right. Anyway, I don't want to listen to someone who's always awkward. And in the billboards, they're cuddling each other in a really cringeworthy way. And I think they're great hosts. If you actually listen to the show, it's not that bad. However, they've shot themselves in the foot by giving them this always awkward, uh, so cringeworthy, so uh, tagline. We don't know what we're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And obviously this orgasm story really fits into that. But the first radio rating survey of the year shows that they're performing worse than Matt and Michelle were. And of course, you're going to take a bit of a slide when you're a new show in. But it really bugs me that there's an extra layer to the media now where you can't just be a good host. You can't just be a good personality. You can't just be really hardworking and fantastic at what you do. Now you need to take 
your work to another sphere and that's your private personal life sphere, it really annoys me. Do you think that's new though? I think there's been an element of radio hosts having to live their lives looking for content the entire time. Um, I don't think that has changed, but I think maybe it's become a more competitive sphere in terms of the personal that you've got to reveal. So for example, in you know, a decade ago, radio hosts, like when Matt Tilly probably was on radio 10 years ago, he probably was sharing very personal stories. But because there wasn't blogging, because the, the media wasn't online as much, personal stories weren't anywhere and they weren't as, they didn't have to probably be as outrageous to get, get a little bit of attention. Now they have to be outrageous. You have to really put your reputation and your dignity. Mm. In fact, you hardly, you can't really have any dignity. Well, yeah. As harsh as that sounds. I think maybe it's even more so now. I know people have always shared their private life. I definitely accept that. But I feel like with social media, Instagram, all that stuff, so much of our personas, so much of our following is built off how much we're willing to share. And you and I have discussed this a lot. So it all boils down to the fact that people are more likely to read about an actress than they are a model. And that's purely because we attach personality and we attach stories to things. So models might be pretty and they might be hot, but we probably don't want to read about them. Whereas an actress who we've seen her in interviews and we've seen her in movies and we've seen her emotional and through all different stages, we care about her story. And I feel like the best, most popular influences, I'm talking like Zoe Foster Blake, Steph Claire Smith. Uh, Beck Judd, but also Anna Heinrich and Georgia Love. All those people are so popular because we know about their backstory. We know about their romantic relationships. We know about their children, their careers. And There's it, a narrative there. Well that, and I think that's what we've said. I don't know if you said it on this podcast, but we've definitely had this conversation before, is that the only way to build a following now without buying followers is to actually share your entire life. Like the Abby Gilmore. I think Abby Gilmore is the last influencer I can think who built a following very quickly. Now it's very hard to build anything, but because she did it by sharing a really awful time. Yeah. And she also had something catastrophic happen to her and didn't cover really anything up from that. But going back to Jason PJ, I think the reason that I found this super interesting, not only as a branding exercise, but just as a story is that they were willing for a, it to be PJ telling this story, and B, this is the kind of story they, they expected or wanted her to tell. Mm. And I just wonder, I don't necessarily think it's gendered. I just think it's interesting that that's the kind of audience that they're going for, and I, I'm not sure what that is, but it's an audience that would be interested in an orgasm at the gym. Yeah, well, this is the weird thing, because to me, when they brought these two in to compete with uh, slightly older radio teams, I thought that they were aiming for us, for you and me, for the millennials. But generally historically traditionally has a as a fan base that's a little bit older and predominantly female well this is the other thing so this is why i think they're leaning younger because michelle laurie and matt tilly are both deep into their 40s but polly harding pj is 27 she's young and jason's not that much older i think he's mid-30s polly's not married she's got a boyfriend it seems to me like they really want to appeal to you and me like the 24 no i agree with that because will and woody who are doing their drive exactly are also a bit younger so they are trying to screw your audience a bit younger i just wonder if this is the way to do it i guess we speak from a personal standpoint of course because we are in the media and our followings are determined by how much we want to reveal but i just worry about a media where everything's determined by how transparent you are about very personal things yes and that idea that that fine line between being authentic and giving up everything. So, are you ever going to write about your orgasms? Nope. Me neither. 
now it's time for the quick and dirty. Michelle, it's your turn this week because you keep cracking on about me going rogue. Last week, as always, you're going to bring five of the best stories this week and run us through them. I am, and we're going to get through this so much seamlessly, so much more seamlessly than what you did last week. You're going to get your English grammar right? Da-da-da-da. All right. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. My first story is from CNN Entertainment. Kate Hudson announces pregnancy and baby's gender in excitement-filled video. This is going to sound awful. I just thought that Kate Hudson had – I guess she she wasn't on my, ra- my radar properly. And so I just sort of assumed she'd had her two kids and was done. Is that ageist? Ooh, ageist. A little Super bit. Super ageist. I don't know how old she is, though. This is her third child with her the third father. Right. She has, like, two – She's got two sons. So uh, she had her first son with her first hub- husband. They divorced around – 2006 I think yeah then had a son with her then fiance and now she's having a daughter with her boyfriend nice yep. congratulations no judgment all right second story this is from people magazine victoria beckham reveals her 1635 dollar daily beauty regimen right and that's us dollars too right us dollars uh that's in australian dollars that is two thousand one hundred and twenty eight dollars going on her face every day okay two things that is remarkable but secondly i would love to i love how you just pretended you did that maths on the top of your head and it's not written on your hand oh, of course i've written it down <laughs> mate <laughs> i did an arts degree do so, you think i can plus or multiply no so what is it so it's two thousand one hundred australian and what what is what is it? I don't get it. What costs? What costs that much apart from a car? Uh, my personal favorite. So there was probably fifty products. I'm not exaggerating. If you guys want to go read her daily beauty regimen, go right ahead. It is so crazy. So it was on People. It was on People magazine. I think it was also covered by beauty websites, but I found it on People. So we'll roll with that. Um, my favorite products included a stem cell collagen activator. Want to know what that is? To be honest, no. I have no idea. It costs three hundred and forty-five Australian dollars. What happened to cleanse and moisturize? Maybe a bit. Oh, of she has oil. that too. She has that too. You know what she also has? What? A one hundred and seventeen dollar jade roller. Are they those tiny little stones on rollers that yes. people keep rolling on their face? Yes. Sometimes they have little pricks and they prick you. What the hell? Have you seen those? Yes, ones? I have. But what jade rollers? Are people bloody kidding? I think they're meant to open your pores. If you have a jade roller. You're going too far. Like, I'm all for self-love and taking care of yourself and putting fancy shit on your face. Jade rollers are a step too far for If me. someone sent you a jade roller. No. No, thanks. You would try it. No, I wouldn't. I it's would. Because like people- you, you can't now. Because you've just backed them. It's like when people say that they sleep with jewels under their bed or whatever. Is the idea, but is the idea it's because it's jade or it's just because it's a roller that's meant to be good for your skin? I don't I think, think it's, it's a- woo-woo. I think the jade has a cooling property. Yeah, exactly. I don't think it's woo-woo. Yeah, come on, $117 for it, a roller what about, on your face. Is it that different to putting cold... Um, Put a cold face washer on your face. But is it that different to putting cold spoons on your eyes to help... Swelling or? Probably not, but you know how much a cold spoon costs? Bloody nothing. Well, someone's mum's been buying their spoons. <laughs> Haven't they? I tell you what, my got my little metal spoons in my drawer do not cost $117. Yeah, that is probably fair. All right, my third story. This is from the Daily Mail, my favourite publication of all time. Spoiler alert, Bachelor in Paradise stars Megan Marks and Jake Ellis are spotted kissing and holding hands in Sydney. I cannot believe this. I'm really surprised. Although it becomes even more believable given last night they didn't give Megan and Jake much airtime and they never give people airtime when they're actually 
dating. Sorry, excuse me, I'm just re- I've got pins and needles doing on your a little, floor. doing a tiny little shuffle around. <laughs> I'm trying not to make noise. It's fine. Um, but it does surprise me because a they don't look like they're a couple, but b like I said, it is more believable because they're not giving airtime to the couples that actually like each other. That like is so Luke true. And Lisa. That is so true. But remember, everyone does have a Jake Ellis story. Yeah, that's not going to last. But that's fine. I, I do I feel, actually I actually have faith. I feel like if you see Megan, that happening? Megan went into that show being like, I'm looking for a guy who's cheeky. I'm looking for a guy who lacks adventure and keeps him on my toes. Jake Ellis is that. Jake Ellis is not. Do you the think Jake Ellis rem- is adventurous? I don't know. Ask Megan Marks. Apparently, yes. They're still kissing in Bondi. And by the way, I just want to add, that's not like if you're kissing and holding hands in Sydney, as Georgia Love told us last week. You know that the paparazzi are going to be around. That's why I think it's not as legitimate or long-standing as it could be because there were also photos of Kira and uh, Jared kissing on a beach and they were pap photos, but they were the closest pap photos I've ever seen. It was like somebody taking a photo of me a metre away Mm. and that feels very set up. All right, number four. This is from page six in the US. Is Anna Wintour out at Vogue? Where there's smoke. There is always fire. She's out at Vogue. She's been there for 30 years. If, if she's not out soon, there's definitely been discussions, I would say. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. I mean, she's been at Condé Nast for 30 years. Mm. She's surely on the cusp of, if not retiring, uh, I guess, moving into another area of her career or maybe writing a book or doing something God, else. you can imagine the job offers that would come her way. She has been, I think, when you're not in the media all the time and it's not consuming your life what a lot of people don't understand is Anna Wintour may just be the editor-in-chief of Vogue but she's also so high up at Condé Nast which is one of the biggest publishing houses in the entire world and she doesn't just have control over of a Vogue she has huge control over you know the in the entire lifestyle offering of Condé Nast um and I think that's a pretty brutal industry to be in for three decades I can't believe she has we were talking about this earlier in the week and I'm pretty much blown away that anyone can be in that industry for 30 years and look as calm and cool as ice as she does. But also the fact that those 30 years weren't exactly um, smooth sailing. This is when publishing has really had to sort of pivot a little bit from print that was so, so popular to digital. And that's a pretty stressful 30 years to be a part of it too. Mm, And she's had a hand in making Teen Vogue as influential and powerful as Teen Vogue is for that generation. She has to a certain extent. Yeah, but definitely not the recent resurgence of Teen Vogue. I don't think that has much to do with Anna Wintour at all. Poor Anna. What? No, it's true. Them, Them being all... I hate this word, but them becoming all woke and talking about cultural appropriation and becoming legitimate um, reporters on political news has got nothing to do with old mate Anna Wintour, who still has a gaffe every so often in vogue about them trying to be progressive. (laughs) All right. Number five, Princess Charlotte set to make history when royal baby arrives. That one's from news.com.au. I thought this was clickbait when I clicked into it. So did I. Do you want to explain it? But it wasn't. She actually is making history when the royal baby arrives simply because – for centuries and centuries and centuries, women couldn't be um, or weren't considered legitimate in terms of being in line for the throne. And now that that has changed, the royal family has finally changed that. When when Princess Charlotte's little sibling arrives, she will keep her spot in the throne regardless of her gender. And she's the first child, young girl to do that. Interesting. So even if there's a boy, Princess Charlotte will be ahead of him. Yeah, it seems ridiculous that it's taken this long, but that's exactly right. Good one, royal family. 
Hey, thanks for that. No problem. There's some nice little gems in there. Look at how we just rolled through that as well. That is how I want you to try to do it next week. Can't wait for next week. I'm going to have four big conversation starters. I'm going to spend 15 (laughs) minutes on each. No. I think you should experience it. You always say I want to experience things, but I don't think you actually want to experience things because you would experience it if you wanted to experience things. I don't know what you're talking about. Meaning you should experience being single. Channing Tatum and Jenna Dewan announced their split this week to the sound of cries across the world. On Instagram, the two announced they had lovingly split from the other. <clears throat> Bullshit. <laughs> this came not long after the Anna Faris and Chris Pratt split, Jen Aniston and Justin Thoreau. So, Mish, why do you think we have such a visceral reaction to celebrity divorces that force us to say, oh, love is dead? Uh, look... I'm not 100% sure why, but before I get into anything else, let me just say, what a load of crap that every time these people divorce, they come out and say, oh, we've never loved each other more. We've lovingly separated. We are consciously uncoupling. Like, you're divorcing for a reason. You don't just wake up one morning deeply in love with your husband and go, I really want to sleep with other people or want to have sex with random people. Like, you don't. That's not how a divorce works. No, and all it does is make me think about exactly what is going on behind the scenes. Um, how many tears, how many fights, how harrowing yeah. it must have been and how tough it must be for someone in your publicity team to draft a statement like that, come up to you and say, this is what we're releasing to the public. Are you happy with it? One person in that relationship is not happy with that statement. I will say that. It's too saccharine. The way they do these uh, re- press releases about breakups and stuff, it's too sugary, too over top, too fairy tale. It was super sickly, this one as well. It was like, hey, world, so weird that we have to announce this. And it's like, <laughs> no, it's not. You have built quite a following, not just on the back of your work, but on the brand of your relationship. And they so signed don't- it off with a nickname, Chan. I was like, Chan and Jenna. Don't come, don't come to us now and say, how strange that we have to announce our split in this world. It's like, nah, nah, nah. You have benefited as much from this relationship as we have. Mm. So don't pretend that you're doing us a favor by giving us that news. Mm. I think something that's really important to note about these celebrity breakups, and I'm not sure if you'll agree with me, but I do think this is really interesting. I'm not sure if other people know much about this. So... There is a study from Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin in 2014 that literally showed that a sign of high relationship visibility is always or very often a red flag of relationship vulnerability. So I find it really interesting that the more you put your relationship on social media, and I know celebrities have whole machineries of PR people and branding people and uh, assistants behind them who help them shape their brand and help them shape their social media profiles. But I do find it really interesting that it's quite ironic. The more you put your relationship on social media is often a sign that the less stable your relationship is. I don't know if that is like, I I think that study in itself for for normal plebs like us is quite relevant because you do seem to get that the more visible you are, the more you are on social media with your partner, the less stable that relationship might be. But I don't see how that works with a couple like Jenna Dewan and Channing Tatum when they're not on social media because they're just trying to make everybody feel jealous of their relationship. They're on social media together together my apologies <laughs> you got there it's all good um cultivating a perfect image because it's better for their work it's better for everybody it's better for their family more money will roll in and people tend to they'll get a bigger 
better fan base. I get that, but I think we tend to also overplay slightly what these celebrities and what their online behavior is made up of. I totally understand. I totally understand that there are um, whole cogs behind them that work the machine that is their brand. However, we also need to keep in mind that the most powerful person in the world, Donald Trump, has complete ownership over what he puts on social media. I don't think we can come into this and always be like, oh, it's a branding exercise. It's a branding exercise. I think these are people at the end of the day and I think some of their social media activity would be 100% authentic and what they want to put on. Yeah, some, not all. Not all, but I think it is relevant here. I think that study that the more you want to push your relationship out, especially if you have millions of followers, which both Channing and Jenna do, both Anna Faris and Chris Pratt do, both Jen Aniston, or Jen Aniston's not on social media, but Justin Thoreau does. When you have millions of followers, of course you're a human. If you put your relationship out there and you see all this reward in likes and comments and engagement from that, they're humans just like us. They're going to respond to that. Also ones with much bigger egos, I would. Exactly. They're probably all narcissists as well, we should add. So I don't know. I feel like it's definitely something to bring up that study because it's really fascinating that the more you put your relationship online, the more of a sign it is that something's awry. Yeah, and I do want to come back to that in a second, but I think when we're talking about why the world has such a visceral reaction to a breakup like Jenna Dewan, like Anna Faris and Chris Pratt, why we cared so much when um, Jen Aniston and Justin Thoreau broke up, is I did some digging on this. And God, there's some interesting stuff out there. If you ever want to Google something like why celebrity news is not dumb or something like that, go do some reading because it will make you feel better about yourself a little bit. But there's this really interesting idea called parasocial relationships. And a parasocial relationship is a relationship that we have. It's a one-sided relationship that we have with a famous person or a celebrity. Mm -hmm. And these are totally legitimate relationships. They are considered almost as legitimate as the relationship between you and me, Mish. And the idea is that psychologists find that we get as much out of a parasocial relationship as we do with a normal relationship. We learn, we get... Um, the idea is it's kind of like a taste tester of existence so we can learn from what they're doing, how they're functioning, how they're acting around each other. Obviously, it's all an act, but that in itself still gives us lessons. We can be using these these relationships as a kind of an escape or just as an enjoyment. And I just found that fascinating because I think there aren't many celebrities that I'm invested in. I don't know every in and out of Channing Tatum and Jenna Dewan's relationship and yet I cared a lot when they broke up. I care so much and I find that really interesting the whole idea of parasocial relationships because I'm a person where I'd like to think I have at least half a brain and I am so invested not so much in classic Hollywood celebrities but I am so invested in influencers. Because I think you get more from them. Yeah, you get an insight into their real personal Bang life. Bang for your buck. Yeah, and it's more real. So, uh, I mean, on last week's show, just quickly, I mentioned that an influencer, an Australian influencer, had broken up with her boyfriend. This is your hypothesis, may I add? No, he's deleted every photo of her from social oh, media. Oh, okay, they're probably broken up. Yeah, they've unfollowed each other. It's the whole shebang. So many people messaged me and were like, who is that influencer you're talking about? Because clearly they'd heard that segment and gone, who is she talking about? I follow every influencer with hundreds of it's thousands of followers. like a needle in a haystack. So I'm just going to tell everyone, it's Sammy Robinson and her boyfriend, Nick. Anyway, that affected me like truth teller i know anyway so that really affected me because when i saw her i followed sammy for probably two years now she's young she's gorgeous she's got a really engaging warm bright personality 
But when I started seeing comments on her YouTube video and I started seeing comments on her social media that they had broken up and then I saw that they weren't following each other and I saw his profile that he had deleted everything. I'm not kidding. I know it sounds ridiculous. It actually affected me where I was like, what happened? Like, I can't stop thinking about this person I've ever never met. I want to know what happened because I feel like we all invested in that relationship. 400,000 people follow Sammy and she's not a celebrity at all. She has no obligation to tell us what went on. Um, you reckon? I don't know. I think if you're going to build a following based on your love story, I think... There's, I'm not going to say you should be handcuffed and tell the world what happened, but I don't think that you should, A, begrudge people that want to know or find that concept ridiculous. Well, Sammy, if you're listening, I really want to know, so you can just DM me. Shameless the podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Go for it. Um, but it, I, it does tie into that parasocial thing you were talking absolutely, about. Absolutely. It totally does. I think the other thing about this is that there's a whole lot of conversations and discourse around now about the idea of comparison because we see the relationship between Channing and Jenna and we all we see it is on TV we see them on red carpets and we see them on social media and there is this idea that that we shouldn't be comparing you know the bones of our relationship to somebody else's highlight reel but then I think there's this other part of me that thinks we should be comparing in a really smart way we absolutely should be comparing our relationship to other people sometimes not all the time because I think that's how you avoid getting a whole heap of young people sticking their head in the sand and dating somebody from the age of 14 and thinking that is the only person out there you know if you're not looking around how do you know if your boyfriend's treating you well if you're not looking around how do you know if your relationship is super healthy if you're not looking around how do you know that maybe you're not treating him or her as well as you possibly should Mm. so it's really hard when you can the fact that we're saying don't compare and I don't think we should be comparing our like I said the bones of our relationship to somebody's highlights reel but I will always advocate for keeping your head up and looking round mm. at other relationships around you yeah it it's really tricky because relationships are so personal and they're so complicated we're both in long-term relationships now so it's really intriguing when these people break up as well. I mean, with Channing and Jenna Dewan during the week, I couldn't believe it because when I scrolled back through their Instagram profiles, each of them, they just put out this, they portray this really happy, blissful marriage. And I know what you're saying and that we need to keep our head up and look around and see how to treat other people. But I'm not sure if that should come from celebrities because I think that should come from the people around us in our everyday life. So it should come from our parents or our siblings or our friends. And uh, it really frustrates me because even in my personal life, I see relationships that are quite are damaged and quite broken and really unhealthy and then to see them on social media even in my friendship circles or my personal circles to then see them social media it's so far removed from what the reality is oh yeah you see it a lot and I I hate that the narrative on social media is only ever a happy one I hate that the narrative around breakups um around celebrity breakups is always a happy one because um I think anyone that's been through a breakup knows that it can be sort of a small form of trauma. Yeah, they are. Um, They're probably like one of the most traumatic things that can happen in your life. And I think there's not enough. And I think what we're really missing when we have conversations about relationships um, in particular and about what a relationship should look like is the mundane way a relationship works. Because I think there's not a lot out there that validates a lot of our relationships. And I came across, I remember a piece I read in Man Repeller, which is sort of a fashion website, but they do a lot of brilliant personal essays um, a couple of months ago. And it was this piece from their fashion editor called Harling Ross. And she wrote 
um, earlier this year about the idea that real good love is quite boring and that's what we don't get from our celebrities. So this is a beautiful quote from her. She said, love in its truest, steadiest, most rewarding form is extraordinarily dull. That contrary to popular stereotypes and cinematic tropes, there's nothing to overanalyze, nothing to second guess, nothing to report, nothing to pursue or refuel, that it doesn't need constant reassurance that it exists, that it just is. We do not hear that. Celebrity couples don't come out and say, we just exist as we are. Our relationship is quite dull, but they're still our favorite person in the world to hang out with. There is yeah. nothing that validates that kind of existence. Yeah, there's really nothing. It's almost like everything needs to be such a meteoric high and we don't see that really steady, blissful, easy middle where it's just you just are together and it's not always a Instagrammable moment and it's not always – amazing and fairy tales and uh, movie-esque. But I think that's really important because I think what we do see from celebrities is a really unusual idea of what a relationship is. What about is. friendship too? Even friendship. Um, uh, I'm just going to truth bomb this entire episode. So another friendship that I would say would fit into this whole idea of putting it on social media, making it look amazing and then kind of ghosting everyone and not really explaining what happened is actually Sophie Keisha and Abby Gilmore. I've been wondering this. They haven't been... Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, Sophie Keisha and Abby Gilmore are two of Australia's most popular influencers, but also mummy bloggers. Uh, they're constantly running about in the media. They are very famous. They are very successful women. They are obviously very engaging. They've got hundreds of thousands of people who follow them. They were best friends. And all of a the sudden, they're not friends anymore. They both unfollowed each other on social media. There's podcast interviews about the relationship breakdown without mentioning names. It's messy. It's messy. I feel a bit gaslighted by that because I sometimes when I'm looking not just at romantic relationships on social media, but friendships, I feel a bit gaslighted that sometimes I'm doing it wrong, that everybody's doing it wrong. Because I think um, our our friendships fall into this category as much as anything else. Yeah, it's really complicated with friendships as well, especially of celebrities. I mean, uh, Michelle Williams and Busy Phillips put out a really perfect image of what yeah. best friends look like. Uh, you've got Oprah and her best friend, Gail. Yeah. Uh, you could literally roll off the tongue a whole lot of celebrities who put themselves out there as best friends. Kim Kardashian and Chrissy Teigen are two that probably put themselves out there. Taylor Swift and uh, Kylie Kloss, who are now not friends anymore, apparently. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, but that's also another branding thing. And it's another thing that's really prevalent on social media. It's a different type of relationship, but I think it still really fits in that just because it's everywhere and because it's seeping into every crevice and nook and cranny of Instagram and there are images and selfies and captions and stories, it doesn't mean that it's a happy relationship. If anything, it might indicate the opposite. No, and I think that's so true. I think the best places that I've been in my friendships, the less it's the same thing, the less prevalent they are on social media. So I've been in such a good place with one of my best friends who lives overseas, and obviously we aren't on social media. One of my other friends is quite busy all the time with her course and her job. We're not really together on social media because when we hang out, we're probably just getting coffee and it's not a very Instagrammable moment. And that's probably because Instagram, I feel, is less candid these days. I feel like it's so performative that you see yourself almost on a schedule as in like, oh, I haven't posted on Instagram this month and we're at a winery. So here, get a group of girls together. We'll all take a photo in front of a 
gardening vine. vine. <laughs> and it's so performative now. So what used to be probably in 2014, 2015, quite a candid friendship moment. I can't remember the last time I took a candid photo with friends. If anything, it's just let's doing, get an Instagram. Just doing fuck all. But like yeah, just sitting on the couch when you are doing nothing. Yeah, it's not. Now it's let's get an Instagram. Everything's an Instagram moment. So if anything, those photos mean less than ever. I so agree. And I think we're sold a, sold a pretty um, big lie when it comes to how our relationships, our fr- like I said, our romantic relationships play out on social media, our um, friendships play out on social media. And I did come across, I'm such a Mandrapella ho right now. There was another great piece. I will link these both in our show notes. There was really another great piece on Mandrapella um, earlier this year by one of their other writers called Hayley Narman. And she wrote about, am I the only person in the world that has a friendship complex? And she said something like she had recently moved to New York for her job and her friendships were very splintered. They are not in huge groups anymore. They are far more hanging out one-on-one. And she said, maybe instead of wondering what's wrong with me that I didn't sashay my way into a large, tight-knit New York crew, I need to ask myself what friendship means to me, why it's important in my life, what kind of friend interactions I find most meaningful and how I might further seek those out. In accepting that I may never have a crew and that my personality may not be suited for one, I've begun to realize just how many friends I have. And I think when you look at friendship that way, we'll think, well, how many friends am I able to call in a moment of need? Mm. That's when we realize how many strong friendships we have, not when we look on Instagram. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the defining moments in my adult life was the moment my I realized my parents were divorcing or splitting and my dad was leaving. I remember that specific moment of who do I call? And I remember the names that went through my head and who I didn't eventually end up calling. And it's such a good moment for clarity as to who are the people that are going to be there when shit hits the fan. And moments of like moments like that, which every 20 something will have, whether it's a parent leaving or whether it's illness or uh, a relationship breakdown or anything like that. I think there are such moments of clarity in your early and mid 20s of who's there. And who's worth your time. And then I would love you to go back through your Instagram and see how often they peer. Because for me, they wouldn't peer as mm-hmm. much, mm-hmm. which I find super interesting. Um, and I love how we've gotten to this point after coming all the way from Channing Tatum. Um, <laughs> but I do think that idea of us being sold many, many lives on social media is certainly not a new idea. But I just think that a lot of us are doing our relationships right. We're just being told that we're doing them wrong. So it's a standard, typical night it's for us. It's a cozy night. I was... What we're doing, just roasting chicken and roasting having a chicken. <laughs> trying to roast chicken. <laughs> trying to roast a chicken, and it was just a, uh, just an amazing surprise. It was so sweet and and natural and very romantic. He got on one knee. Women's magazine Marie Claire, or is it Marie Claire? Marie. I, I say Mari, but you do you. I'll say Marie. Marie Claire. Copped some hate this week for publishing a story about Meghan Markle's single grey hair. The article, which also included a zoomed-in shot of the soon-to-be royal's head, dubbed the grey hair, get this, magnificent. <laughs> Lo and behold, a magnificent grey hair. And they even praised her for how low maintenance her approach to beauty is. Unsurprisingly, this wasn't received too well on Twitter. How do you feel about the article, Zara? And what is with the world's intense fascination with Meghan Markle? Okay, there are definitely two parts to that question. This article was really interesting. Um, One of our colleagues, Liza Ratliff, posted this article in the Shameless Celebrity Gossip Facebook group. If you haven't read it already, jump in there and get on. Which we will link in the show notes. Yes, we will. Um, 
And I, I looked at that straight away and I thought, this is absolutely one of those times when a group of writers have sat around, seen this photo and thought, great, we're going to release this to the world. How do we do it without seeming like a bitch? And so what they do is they, they frame it in this through this uh, piece that says it's wonderful and magnificent and how great is it that she's just like us? And they still miss the mark miss in trying mark, yeah. to do that. Um, even though I imagine they had conversations about how to exactly avoid this kind of media storm, they still found their way into it. Yeah, and just to give people some insight, because not everyone's in the media, so these type of articles often pop up and people like my sisters turn to me and are like, what was the thought process there? I'll tell you what the thought process is. There was probably a group of people sitting around a laptop thinking numbers on the website, as in the number of people on our website is low today. We need something to pick it up. Here's a photo of Meghan Markle. Everyone clicks on Meghan Markle. How do we wrap this? Exactly what you said. So it's not that the people at Marie Claire are going into this with really uh, ugly intentions. They're not going into this wanting to point out that Meghan Markle is uh, unseemly or frazzled or losing control or aging. That's not it. They just want to get clicks on their website. And I think that they thought that they could do it in such a way that that, that it was just sort of a harmless, funny, what they thought was a harmless, funny, cute piece about a woman with a grey hair. That didn't really mean anything. And I think they tried for it to come off as satire a little bit. But like I said, the tone totally missed the mark. Um, Twitter went into meltdown about this piece. There there are some funny tweets on there, sort of – people with binoculars and then Marie Claire, Marie Claire trying to look for uh, Meghan Markle's grey hair. But I think it does play into this entire intense focus of Meghan Markle that I find quite staggering. Literally I'm, at a like follicular, is that a word, follicular? At a follicle or cuticle, follicle, I mean, follicle, I, follicle, follicle, follicle. Oh, you got there. But follicle I'm, level. <laughs> it's okay. I understood where you were going anyway. Wow. It, I haven't had a coffee yet, guys. It's fine. Um, that's our excuse to every little stumble. No coffee. On we go. Um, it does play into, like I said, this intense fascination with Meghan Markle. And I know that when you enter the royal family and you sort of put a ring on it, um, that focus becomes crazy. And I remember I felt like I was a little bit younger when I felt like I was a little bit younger. I was a little bit younger <laughs> when Kate Middleton entered the royal family. But I do remember the focus on her. This is entirely different for a lot of different reasons, yeah, isn't it? It is. It is. It absolutely is. Partly because uh, Meghan Markle is mixed race. So she's African-American and half Dutch-Irish. She's also a divorcee, which is quite transgressive for someone entering the royal family. She divorced her husband of two years, Trevor Engelson, in 2013. She's very outspoken on feminist issues. I know that as a member of the royal family, you can't be openly political, but she has definitely towed that line in the past. She's also, I really love her for being a really vocal advocate um, for kind of abolishing period poverty. She's quite vocal about uh, what it's like to menstruate when you are in disadvantaged areas. She's done a lot that is different to someone like Kate Middleton, who was basically born into a life of social status and wealth. Well, and I think as we're talking, there's there's a huge difference between Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle because the Australian media and the US media in these kind of scenarios would definitely take their cue from British tabloids. And British tabloids have a huge fascination with Markle and they have a huge fascination with Markle because they've seen multiple Kate Middletons in their time. Mm-hmm. Um, Middleton who grew up 
in a pretty, like you said, wealthy family. I think they got wealthy when she was a teenager, who went to a great university in England. She is a classic British girl next door. So for them that she's not that remarkable, Meghan Markle's bloody American from California. Mm. And I think that and fact... the actress factor as well. Oh, my God. As you said before, when we can see that the people don't care about models as much, but they have such an interest in actors, such an interest in actors. And I think it's because we think that we know her already because we see her play a character and we probably struggle to separate her from Rachel Zane from Suits a little bit. Um, And so we think that we know her a little bit and are far more invested in that. Yeah. Back to the hair article for just a second. I think part of the area that they really missed the mark on this is that you can't have such a minute focus on a woman's appearance and pass it off as just being funny. I think that's where they went wrong. It would almost be like if they pointed out uh, wrinkles on her face. Yeah, that like, is oh, so look, true. look, her first wrinkle. Or the signs of aging for women is such still such a sensitive topic. And I, I could never see them writing ever about a male actor that he had a grey hair. It's such a sexist As angle to take. I think you could imagine take. someone like The Cut doing that. I feel like they for a male, really for a male. No, Do you I remember when see um, them, I don't see anyone zooming in that that what about, close to analyze a male's photo? I'm spitballing in real time here, so I could go right off the mark. But what about when? Um, do you remember a couple of months ago when Alexander Skarsgård shaved the top half of his head, and it was sort of a really ridiculous image to come into pl- like to see, and everybody was saying, "Oh my god, this is so sad." Alexander Skarsgård is bald by his own doing. Um, is that not a similar thing? And I know that you say it's uh, – no, no, no. I know that talking about women's aging is is a different kettle of fish, but I think that they would have these conversations about men. I just don't think we have the same reaction because there's so much more wrapped in to when we talk about a woman's appearance. Well, first of all, I think it's different because if anyone shaved their head, that's news. But I think th- we can even put a mirror up to ourselves that I think if they covered uh, – I'm trying to think of a young male actor – Zach Efron. Zach Efron. So, thank you, Zara. Say Zach Efron gets a grey hair and they write about it. I also can't see anyone clicking on that. Whereas if you put a mirror up to ourselves, we care about Meghan Markle ageing. We care about the fact that she's 36. We, so it's your fault that this article came about. I think because you well, would click. I don't think I didn't click number one out of protest, but I think the whole reason they put this up is because they thought, at least informed by what people have clicked on in the past, that they'd probably click on a photo of Meghan Markle's grey hair. And they would have. This um, would have got huge traffic. It would have. And if you think about it, I mean, I did some research as I always do because I'm a very serious podcaster. The Daily Mail has written 2,560 articles about Meghan Markle. In how? In what kind of space of time? In fact, well, I'm I know guessing that would be since about 2013. When I know she that's first a came. huge um, number, but I would have expected more. Because really? the, I mean, the Daily Mail do an article on Georgia Love every day. 2,560. Oh, that's at least one a day for that's a long time. That's at least one a day for the past at least however many years. That's a lot. So that is a huge amount of articles and that they cover everything from her unseen family photo albums to how she plays Monopoly to how sexy her accent is on a scale of like French to bloody Polynesian. How does Polynesian she play- accent? Oh, don't don't put Let's me in a corner Dutch. like that. French to Dutch. Um, but how does she play Monopoly? I don't know. I didn't read it. I okay. was just scrolling through. While <laughs> so I was... not not real research. Oh, then. mate, I'm not going to read how Meghan Markle plays. I'm just Monopoly. saying. I'm just saying. Are you are you obsessed with her? Do you relate to um, the? I found it really funny. I I don't think that I'm obsessed with her. 
you read um, your news a lot from Apple News, right? The little app on your iPhone. Yes. And I do that too. I consume a lot of my news through Apple News. And I have an entire section dedicated to Meghan Markle. What? I'm not sure if that's because of my clicking habits. I don't have that. Me either. What the hell? So I thought that I didn't care about her until I came into work one day and told... um, a co-worker about the fact that I had it was so strange that Apple News had an entire Meghan Markle section and someone said I think that's just you what I know so I didn't think oh that I could yeah funny hey but I think this I care a little bit I cared deeply when they got engaged I don't think you did did you no I to be honest the royal family kind of just slides right off me I'm like Teflon it doesn't stick yeah it does with me a little bit mm. I don't think I think it my interest has definitely waned because it's. I just felt like there's such an oversaturation. I'll care a lot about the wedding. When when the yeah. wedding's on, we will be talking about that, obviously. But I think we just love a gotcha moment. Like we love a gotcha moment where Meghan Markle seems like the ultimate put together humanitarian actress, and we love that she's divorced. We love that there's rumors that she divorced her husband when she got big on Suits. We love that there's rumors about her family growing up. Do you know what I mean? That's not that. You know, don't paint a picture of a perfect human because none of us are perfect. And I think that's why we also love her. Kate has much less opportunity to be caught out, quote unquote, um, because there's not as much there. Yeah. Megan's what, 34? No, 36. 36. Harry's 34, right? Yeah. She's lived an entire life before she's met the royal family, and I think that's why we're so obsessed too. And and the life before is definitely not as neat, exactly as you're saying. There is mess there, there, and there is complications and complexities and everything in between. Uh, I don't know. I guess I I care about the wedding, and I care about uh, what dress she wears and stuff like that. But when it comes even down to the fascination with – uh, how she divorced her husband and I saw a headline saying that she became close friends with a man at the same time. It just feels like exactly what you said, a gotcha moment that we want to paint her as someone who isn't trustworthy or who is living this kind of double life that the Megan we're seeing in uh, royal events and that we're seeing it uh, in church and that we're seeing on the streets holding the hands of civilians or whatever you want to call it, that that's not the real Megan. There's this real uh, dialogue going on that the person we're seeing is not authentic. And it even boils down to the fact that her half-sister, Samantha, is writing a tell-all memoir about being Meghan Markle's sister, which makes me feel ill. Yeah, no, that does make me feel ill too. And any time I question whether the, the Meghan Markle coverage is more intense than the Kate Middleton coverage, I'm reminded of a couple of things. Firstly, that Samantha writing a book – um, secondly, the fact that Andrew Morton, who wrote Diana's biography, Once Upon a Time, has just released a biography or is about to release a biography of Meghan Markle. And secondly, a Vanity Fair cover. Kate Middleton certainly, I feel like we should be calling her the Duchess of Cambridge, but anyway. Come on. We're not, <laughs> I've said fuck on this podcast. We don't need to call her the Duchess no, I'm of kidding. Cambridge. I'm just saying, it's funny. Every time you see uh, an article call her Kate Middleton, there will invariably be a comment. A fan saying, um, that's the Duchess of Cambridge to you, thanks. That was like the time I wrote Queen Beyonce in an article, which makes me cringe now, but that's irrelevant. I wrote Queen Beyonce and someone wrote, excuse me, that title should only be reserved for Elizabeth. It's probably true. Anyway. <laughs> Shut up. When, no. When you think about the Vanity Fair cover, like that was quite an outstanding move from the royal family to put her on that cover before they were engaged. And that certainly didn't happen with Kate Middleton. Um, so I think all of those things together 
proof that there is far more intense fascination. And I think you're right. It comes down to a race thing. Unfortunately, it comes down to an age thing because she's lived a whole life. Um, I also think part of it comes down to Prince Harry himself. He has always been the hellraiser, you know, the rebellious one of that family. And she is far different than the women that he has settled with in the past. His past two girlfriends, Chelsea Davey and Chrisita Bonus, blonde, look quite similar. Socialites as well, yeah. Socialites. Um, have a similar standing in, in British society and, and Meghan Markle sort of come out of the blue. You know, the sad thing that I've just thought of is even after the wedding, this is not going to die down. If we're talking about Meghan Markle's grey hair now, if we're talking about her age and the wedding. And Kate Middleton's fingers, by the way. <laughs> like it won't. Well, with Meghan, it's going to be babies next. If yeah, everyone's talking about her age and ageing and grey hair and all those type of things, it's going to ramp up so much the talk of her getting pregnant and the talk of them trying or infertility or whatever. It is going to be even more, I think, than the royal wedding. I hope not. But I think I think the other thing is that neither of them are stupid. I think that they know. I, so when I say neither of them, I mean Prince Harry and, and Meghan Markle. I don't think you can necessarily prepare for it, for focus like this, but I think you can be aware that something like it was going to happen. So... It will be interesting to see how crazy the coverage is come the royal wedding, whether people do come out of the woodwork and try to shame her or, you know, past friends, past boyfriends, whoever it might be. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. If Samantha Mark was listening, please shut up and don't publish that book. Yeah, I think that's a good way to finish. Hey, I think that's all we have time for today. I think it might be. Um, thank you so much for joining us for episode five of Shameless. Please subscribe to the show in your podcast feed. We are a little independent podcast and would absolutely love for you to help other people find our show. And don't forget, you guys can take part in the conversation by joining our Facebook group. You can either search for Shameless Celebrity Gossip or we finally figured out how to hyperlink things in our show notes. So you can just click on that down there. <laughs> Every week's a new week. Rookies. You can also email us your thoughts if we've said something that has riled you up or you agree or you want us to cover something in next week's episode. Please email us. Our email is shamelessthepodcast at gmail.com. And look, you can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram. We're not going to hate you for giving us a bit of a follow. Definitely not. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye, guys. Oh, hi. It's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to... To our show, please do head to your favorite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.